Hi everyone, <laughs> welcome back to Not Another Teen Wolf podcast. This is episode 33 for us, uh, recapping season 3, episode 10, The Overlooked of MTV's Teen Wolf. This week we have another guest host for you. Uh, we're speaking with Jacob this week, who was the runner-up on our listener competition, or the equal dual winner, but his episode came second. Uh, so me and Karen are both here. So hi, Karen. Hello. And then Jacob is here as well. So hello. Hello. So Jacob, what do you generally do with yourself in kind of the world or fandom or anything like that? Like, do you, feel free to tell us a little bit about, you know, what you're doing here, basically. Yeah, I uh, I really like Teen Wolf a lot, and I saw the competition thing, so I thought I'd sign up because it sounded like fun. And I guess in real life, I basically go to school because I'm in high school, and um, I have a YouTube channel. It's The Eighth Potter on YouTube, if anyone wants to look at that. But I talk about books, if anyone's interested in that. Cool. That's pretty much it. <laughs> That's cool. Didn't you just turn 16, I want to say? Cause yeah, I, wanna I turned say 16 on uh, the day the Motel California came out. Nice. Happy belated birthday. Oh, that's cool. Thanks. All right. So this week's episode, uh, The Overlooked, cut straight in from last week's, basically, and it looks like it is going to be a, a three or even a four-parter because this week, <laughs> next week, is, is going straight into it as well, but... The Overlooked cuts straight in from the end of the last episode, The Girl Who Knew Too Much, continuing straight on from that drama with the recital and finding out that Jennifer Blake was the Dirac. And then the synopsis for this episode itself is a horrible storm takes place, leaving Scott and Derek trapped inside the hospital while trying to defend themselves against the Alpha Pack and save Cora's life. Scott has a difficult decision to make while the sheriff and Melissa are trapped under a sacred tree. Generally, we do our favourite lines, whether they were, like, funny or meaningful throughout the episode. That's a, a regular segment on the show. So, Jacob, to start with, what were your favourite quotes that you picked and why did you pick them? Uh, well, my first one is uh, with Mama McCall and she says, why does Styles have my bat? And I just <laughs> laughed really hard at that because it just reminded me of that time in like season one when she tries to hit him with a bat when he sneaks in her uh, in Scott's room and he's like, you don't even play baseball. Yeah. So that's why I love that part because that was like little homage or whatever to that scene. Yeah, no, and, totally. Yeah. Because I, with that bit, I was like, when that was in the trailer, people were like, oh my god, another baseball bat, but no one in that town even plays baseball, and it was like people were being like, oh my god, why does everyone have a baseball bat when people, um, you know, no one's ever seen playing baseball, and, you know, adding styles to that list of, of people, and I loved that it, they actually threw it back to make it the same baseball bat, like continuity, the one baseball bat in Beacon Hills, potentially. <laughs> <laughs> And my second one is, uh, that's right, you need me, all of you. And that it was, um, that was Jennifer slash Julia. And um, I just, that scene gave me chills. Like, I was like, oh, goodness, like, she, that actress, uh, Haley Webb, mm. very good job. That just, that delivery of that line was so intense. Just, it's weird, but I liked a lot. 
Yeah, I completely know what you mean. The way that she switches between, like, the goody-two-shoes Jennifer and then, like, the Drock side of her is really creepy how much there's just, like, this switch. Like, she just changes instantly. And you can tell in the way that she looks at the other characters and her voice actually goes a little bit lower and, and the movements of her face and her body and everything, she's, she's really excellent at it. It's really weird, actually, because... It's not necessarily even the all the way, I'm a total innocent Jennifer Blake, but, like, even with Derek, like, I'll get into this a bit more later, she, and Haley has said in interviews since being revealed that she's the Durak, that she, that the love that she has, that Jennifer or Julia has for Derek is very real. Like, it's not, that's not, he's, she's not using him. She actually loves him, which is weird. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that whole, like, that she is... She basically, yeah, even when everyone knows that she's the Dirac, she still has these moments of switching to sort of, oh, I'm the victim, if you know what I mean. You need to kind of help me. Um, And then kind of getting all, yeah, consumed by power or showing how much that she really can do. And it's just, yeah, I I don't know where her head's at, basically. Like, I I, I don't know. I mean, she clearly does need their help in some way, but it's really, yeah, I don't know who she really is. Yeah, and she's a really good actress, we've come to find out. (laughs) Yeah. My two lines are, the first one is from, it's between Peter and Scott. And Peter says, those twins are really starting to piss me off when they kind of run into that um, storage closet or whatever it is. And... Uh, Scott says, how the hell are we supposed to get past them? And then Peter says, personally, I think if we keep letting them beat the living crap out of us, they'll just tire and give up. (laughs) And it was just such a funny line. And and you can tell Peter is, he doesn't really like fighting. You know, he he likes being the one with the brains and not having to do the physical stuff. And and he's a lot smarter than that. He tries to avoid conflict because I think that benefits him a little bit better. And it was just a funny line. And and Natalie and I have lots of things to say about Peter, so we're gonna we're gonna leave that till a little bit later. <laughs> yeah, I did love directly after that line, like when they kind of both look at the uh, laundry chute and go down it without saying anything. Then literally the next line is, you know, when Scott lands on Peter and he just looks at him and he goes, first of all, they have that little like tussle, like fight, like yeah, like, like five year olds. I'm like, seriously, come on, you're two grown werewolves here." And then he's like, you couldn't have waited, like, ten seconds, which is true. It's, like, not very practical. Um, but I just, I can't handle him sometimes. He just, uh, this episode, yeah, we'll get to it. But he was, like, my subtle, like, MVP this episode. He was so amazing. Um, but what was your other one? My second one is from Isaac, who is also on fire this episode. Mm. And this is when he says, like, they're, um, who is it? Chris doesn't know who she's Jennifer like, Blake is. I don't even is. know who this teacher is. Yeah. <laughs> and Isaac goes, she's the one with the brown hair. She's kind of hot. And it's just like, oh, awkward Isaac. I, I just love you so much. I love that they did that. Like, they literally cut to, like, dead silence. And everyone yeah. And like, all of them turned saying. at the same time. <laughs> it's. He's so, I can't handle him. He's so funny. He's just, he's really coming into, like, amazing comedy genius. He's one of the funniest people on the show. I can't, can't handle it. Yeah, that scene was pretty funny. I laughed pretty darn hard for a couple minutes after that. One of my quotes was also Isaac, which was 
yeah, just and and I was tossing up between this and another one of him because, yeah, as I said, he's just he's just got a certain kind of humor that it's it's like awkward and really dry that I really love. My quote was um, when him, Allison, and Chris are coming into the school and Chris sort of cocks his gun like he puts it, you know, he loads the I don't know how guns work. He does the thing that on television <laughs> means that the gun is now ready to be fired, like. Um, <laughs> And Isaac kind of goes, he goes, I'm going to take that as a sign you're a little worried, like in a whisper <laughs> behind it. And he's just so, it's kind of, it reminds me of Styles a little bit, but in a less antagonistic way in that kind of like, Styles has a thing where he kind of will say something to say the last word, even if it's like ruthless or reckless or really unsafe. And Isaac, I don't know, he's just so... It just is so socially awkward in this kind of like, yeah, really sarcastic way. And I loved, it's very confident. And he, him, him with the Argents, like with Chris especially, really interested me this episode as well. But yeah, I just, I just found that extremely funny. And um, the fact that I think Chris kind of likes him. Like, I, I mean, he kind of likes Scott yeah. as well. But I think Chris kind of likes Isaac, and that interests me too. But yeah, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of Styles doing the kind of reckless thing, in the scene in which they're all they all trap themselves basically into the first whatever it was utility room where it's you know Peter, Styles, Scott, and Derek all you know getting through the Alpha Pack for the first time after they just lost Jennifer. Um, Styles is kind of yelling about his dad or whatever, and Derek's trying to get everyone in control, and he says, Shh, "Be quiet, Styles," and he Styles is like, "What really?" you're going to tell me what to do now and, um, you know, getting very angry at him. Um, and he says, are you telling me what to do now when your psychotic mass murdering girlfriend, the second one you've dated, by the way, which just absolutely number one. Oh. Well, it's true. Everything like Derek is just, oh, <laughs> he's got problems, man. Like, and I mean, it's, it says a lot about Derek that he didn't like, break Styles's face in then but I also think he knows it's true like he's like well yeah that that is sort of my fault isn't that I mean it's not Derek's fault that the people are killing people not his malicious fault but it, it is you know Kate's whole like burn the house down with sort of Derek's fault and Jennifer as we see coming back to life and becoming what she is is also kind of Derek's fault so yeah Derek Number one, Jeff has said, you know, a few times, oh, yeah, he's he's not going to keep being trodden into the ground. He's going to have a win. Like, you know, he's he's going to be triumphant, you know, in some way by the end of the season. And I'm just not seeing how that can happen right <laughs> now. Like, literally don't know how it could get worse. Um, it can be like the last scene of the season is him walking into a therapist's office. Oh, <laughs> please please happen that would be amazing but anyway um yeah he he bloody needs it but yeah styles sort of being able to yell that in Derek's face and not have Derek rip his face off it was just a truth bomb that Derek took and I enjoyed it because the funniness of pointing it out and also the very grave truth of it so jumping right into our discussion now, the first thing is actually right in the beginning of the episode, and this is something that I didn't even think about. Like, it caught my attention, but I didn't go and look it up. But somebody on the comments, um, Jolie, on the comments on Hypable.com on the recap post, brought it up and said that the 
do you remember the part in the beginning when I believe it was Melissa was saying something about like everybody's moving or no Hill Valley has a flood warning and the one doctor's like oh you know, Hill there. Valley is, is yeah, where I live. Hill Valley is actually a reference to Back to the Future. That's where the Back to the Future movies take place, which is kind of ironic because Michael J. Fox is in Back to the Future, who is in the original Teen Wolf movie. Oh. So oh. Yeah, that was really clever. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not the most uncommon name for a, you know, for a, a random Californian town, but I... It did perk my ears. I was like, I know, like Hill Valley. I know that from somewhere. I'm like, where do I know that that from? And that's hilarious. Actually, I enjoy that. <laughs> the first major thing that happens is that we see Jennifer going into Derek's loft and trying to convince him that whatever Styles and Scott is going to tell him isn't true. And we find out that Styles and Scott are already there, and Derek already knows what's going on, and he obviously doesn't believe Jennifer, he believes Scott and Styles. But my question was, like, did Jennifer really think that Derek was going to believe her over Scott? Especially, like, it's obvious that she knows more than she originally let on because of the things that she was saying in this scene, so I'm not really sure how she would have, like, escaped from this. Yeah, I mean... Number one, can I just say how bad an actor Derek was in that scene where he not not yeah. Tyler Hecklin, I mean Derek. Like the fact when he was standing there just being like, Yeah, sure, come on, tell me what's wrong. I'm like, Wow, wow, dude. But um I think she's a bit delusional about Derek. I think that she as I said, it's sort of been said that Jennifer or Julia really loves Derek. Like that's not fake. And we see that a few times in the episode in that you know, she's like, you know, I'm do- I'm, I'm, I want to help, you know, and, you know, oh, I'm not going anywhere without Derek. I think that she really, really cares about him um, in, you know, whether it's like out of like, oh, I feel tied to you because you brought me back to life or like whatever it is. But I think that she's kind of delusional about him and also, also that she's a bit too confident in her own powers and in her own act. And maybe if she'd gotten to him first, he would have had some sort of doubt, but... I think by this point he trusts Scott and Styles enough to believe them, like that, you know, there might have been a time in the past where she would have had a chance to get into his head, but that I think by now he trusts Scott and Styles. Yeah, like when that scene first started up, I was like super confused because I was like, so wait, so does she have some sort of like split personality disorder? Because I couldn't quite tell at first whether she was acting or not. Yeah. And then I was like, okay, so she's acting. But then I was like, did she really think Derek was going to fall for that? Like, I mean, come on. Like, if she were just going to start telling him, like, oh, they think I'm the Duroc, wouldn't he just be like, what? Like, where did that come from? Yeah. Because she doesn't know that they know. That he yeah. Knows. I mean, I was really confused about, <laughs> about like, how... Yeah, what Derek knows about the druids, into like about how much he knew about the sacrifices and stuff. Uh, and now also we're meant to think that so all of the stuff that was wrong with Cora, what that she did it to her, like when and how and why. Like I don't. Yeah. I don't really understand that. I feel like this season has been a lot of like questions have raised a lot of questions about like who knows what because all the time I'm just like does Lydia know what's going on here yeah there was something else that comes up later in the episode that I'm like oh no one else knows about that oh right okay like I kind of like you we'll get to it but like yeah there are so many things this quest this season that are like 
oh, wait, you know that, but you don't know that, but you know this. And so it's really, yeah, really weird. Talking about people that do and do not know things, uh, <laughs> Mama McCall gets a pretty big surprise when she realizes that Peter's alive. And oh. this part kind of confused me because, I mean, I guess I didn't really think about it, but I was like, after all this time, nobody's told her that Peter was brought back to life. Oh my god. Yeah, this is the exact same thing. I love this <laughs> Like, scene. why didn't she know? I love this scene so much, though. It was it was really kind of unnecessary, but I liked it. Like, it was, not unnecessary, but, like, it wasn't, like, a focal point, but I loved it so much. I loved him being all, you know, concerned about Cora. I mean, they've kind of been, yes. pr- they've been prickly with each other, but, like, I'm really reluctant to now think that Peter has a secret evil plan because he's got he had so many feelings this episode. Like yes, he was so concerned about Cora unless he thinks Cora is like his the key to his success or something I don't know, but he really seemed, you know, being like when's someone going to get my niece out of here? And then when Melissa comes in and looks at him and with such horror, he looks really like ashamed, you know, and she says, "Oh, you're supposed to be dead." And he goes, I get that a lot, actually. And it's not, like, sassy and, like, lol, look at me, I'm alive, and, oh, I duped you, you know? It's really, (laughs) he seems really, like, ashamed and upset, like, oh, I don't want you to have to see me or something like that. And I, whether it's because he likes her himself or that he just has some sort of remorse in general about what happened, we don't really know the deal with Peter. Like, we don't really know right back to that, you know, whole flashback episode whether he was like screwed up then whether he's you know got issues about guilt whether his whole thing is like trying to find power in secret ways but this episode I feel like he felt really bad about a lot of things I was uh sort of on the side of things now that Peter has a plan to do something like whenever that's going to happen even later seasons but it's not necessarily like an evil plot or whatever it's just going to be like he has something under his belt, but it, it might not like it might not have to do with anyone even like in a negative way, you know. Yeah, I get you. I think that that well, I hope I hope that's the case because I don't I don't want him to be you know turning in you know secretly still being like evil and plotting, and you know I would like to think that he was someone who maybe had all of these plots and and did all of this bad stuff and and that that wasn't really who he is like it was because he was all twisted up from the fire or whatever it was but I'm still really confused about the flashback but yeah that's true I need to know what he wants like what his damage is because he seems he, he also knows a lot more than he's saying about all sorts of things like he clearly tells Derek something in the next episode that he he knows all these secrets about so I don't know. Karen, what's going to happen? Oh, I have no idea. I I mean, I haven't trusted Peter since he was brought back, and I still don't trust him, but this episode is the first episode where I feel like he was actually genuine in a lot of the things that he said. I mean, he was willing to fight for Cora to keep her safe, and yeah, he was really concerned about her, and that was, like, heartbreaking, and you're right, when Melissa came in, he, like, backed up, and and he was surprised, and you could tell that he didn't really want her to find out like that, and it was just, like, definitely the first time I feel like this is the Peter 
that maybe Derek knew in his past a little bit better. Like, this is the good guy, Peter. Whether he sticks around or not, I don't know. But he was really genuine in this episode. I love him so much. And his V was so deep, and it was really disturbing. I don't know why they dress him like that, but oh well. Um, anyway, aside from that, aside yeah. from his incredibly deep V. Another interesting thing was Ethan and Aiden, when they were combined and they were fighting and all of that, Aiden later sort of accuses Ethan of hesitating when fighting Scott. And it was sort of a minor thing, but I think more and more often this is going to happen and you're really going to see either a divide between the twins or a divide between the twins and the rest of the Alpha Pack. So I just thought this was another kind of step where we see Ethan not quite being on board with everything that Deucalion is having them do. Yeah, I... I definitely agree. And I mean, Aiden's whole thing there was like, oh, if, you know, if she's trying to find a way to kill us, then we should find a way to kill her or whatever. And that's all very well and good. But, you know, might have made it a bit more sense if it was the, the twins emissary and we find out that she was not the twins emissary. I mean, Ethan, I think, is definitely going to be sticking around with us for, you know, the next little while, you know, I know that the twins are going to be in the next part of the season. So it's just a matter of when and how basically that they kind of turn or whether it's going to be just one of them. True. (laughs) So this next point isn't really a point at all, but I, as I was rewatching the episode, I realized that Adelaide Kane, who plays Cora, all she does the entire episode is be carried around by all these different people. And I was just like, that would be so hard to do for an entire, like, episode's worth of time. Because they shoot, like, obviously for a really long time for just an hour worth of of the show. And all she does the whole time is, like, die, Slump. basically. Yeah. And just lay there and be carried around. Maybe they got, like, a big doll except for the bits that she was on the table. Because <laughs> it must get boring for her. That's what I was thinking. And She's getting paid, paid to take a nap. Yeah. Yeah, that would be awesome, actually. Well, it's like their budget's not very big, so if they don't, if they only need her to like lie there asleep, maybe they would be cheaper to like make a doll and like just have <laughs> it like slumped around. Um, in that scene where they first get them into that room, though, as well, like where they they're running away from the twins and they're carrying her through, and you know Peter carries her through. There's that moment as well where Styles, you know, they're all running and everyone's Derek's like go through go through go through to everyone and his sort of plan is run away and then Styles is the one who steps back with his bat and uselessly hits uh <laughs> him around you know the the twin monster around the head like causing the wet wolves to come through and and fight and I mean that whole moment I was just like it was funny that he hit him with the bat obviously and that it shattered but I was like that was kind of really stupid like and yeah Styles is um, you know, often quite reckless, as we've talked about, but, like, he he wasn't helping, and, in, in fact, he sort of caused more work. Like, they could have all got through the door and closed the door, but then they had to come back and, and fight him. So what did you reckon about him doing that? I mean, like, do you think that says something about where his head is at, or, like... Yeah, I mean, I think that 
his major concern throughout most of this episode was to protect Cora, and he knew that Cora was slowing Peter down because she was just lifeless, pretty much, and I think that was his way of causing a little bit more of a distraction. I don't think he thought the whole thing through, though, because <laughs> after he hit him with the baseball bat and I mean he he can't have honestly thought that was going to work so like what was he gonna do afterwards <laughs> maybe yeah, he was banking on the fact that Ethan and Aiden wouldn't kill him I don't know maybe he just doesn't care anymore but um but seriously it, it is like it was like maybe he didn't think it was gonna shatter because he looked quite startled like yeah <laughs> I don't know and it's like literally Derek was being like you know Styles, come on! Like he he wasn't planning for the wolves to come back and fight them. So yeah, I was a little little confused, but it was no it was definitely hit first, think later. Yeah, it was it was very brave, but not very smart, which is not usually Styles's jurisdiction. So that's why it sort of surprised yeah. me. I liked this scene too because um, Derek and Scott sort of fight together, and Derek gives him give Scott, like, a leg up, and people are on Tumblr were saying that they should nickname that the Howly Oop, and I thought that was so what? funny. Oh, yeah. No. <laughs> oh, dear. That's what I have I to say. love people on Tumblr. They're so creative. Uh, anyway, moving on to a real point now, <laughs> besides poor Adelaide Kane. Um, basically, we see... Allison and Isaac in the school, and they're talking about how Beacon Memorial is being evacuated, and Isaac realizes that that's where Cora is, and he doesn't want to leave Cora with Peter, and he goes to go to the hospital, and Chris says, wait, I'll drive. And for me, this was huge, because Chris has changed so much from what he was like in season one. Not only is he taking Isaac, who very obviously is a werewolf, and a newly turned werewolf, those can be, you know, more of the dangerous ones. He's still not quite good at, at a lot of the things that he's capable of. But he's also taking his daughter directly into the action and going to basically help save all these different werewolves, Cora, Peter, Derek and Scott, and I was just like, wow, you know, he's changed so much from season one. There are a few things about this that I really liked, like, well, or that really interested me. I mean, first of all, um, Allison and Isaac's initial back and forth where they're talking about, like, the power and, and all of that, you know, being off and, all, you know, generator might not last. Again, I was trying to – I keep comparing them, but I was trying to picture her having this conversation with Scott. Again, I sort of came up with the same conclusion that Isaac and Allison are both sort of sharp in the same way where Scott might not be. Like, not to say that Scott's not a good leader because we, you know, we're seeing that more and more and even Styles has that whole monologue about it in this episode. But Isaac and um, Allison are both sort of crafty and, and, and just sort of clever in, in a way that is really similar to each other. And... So there was that, and they just their back and forth was just so snappy in a way that I was like, "Oh, you guys really on the same page?" And I don't, I don't, you know, I, this is something that can't be wasted in in a way. Like I don't know if you guys are going to end up together or as friends or whatever, but you guys are a really good team. And it's weird because they've been stuck together for like two days or whatever, being this team, and and I'm it interests me. 
But then Isaac also saying, like, can't leave, you know, number one, he doesn't know the other others are going to the hospital, obviously, but he was like, oh, Cora's there, I can't leave her, they were just Peter. Do they not trust Peter to be, like, is it, does, what's the problem there? Like, are we, obviously no one really trusts Peter, but do they think that he has something really bad going on? Like, why would Isaac think it wasn't going to be safe? I think they have the same idea that we do, and that's just that, Peter's up to something, but he's we're not going to know for a while. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I thought this part was really interesting, too, just because, like, how well does Isaac know Cora? Because she was stuck in the vault with Boyd. Isaac wasn't around for that or anything. I mean, he was let go or he escaped or whatever. So other than maybe just a few days of, like, planning and doing things together, do they really have that strong of a relationship? I guess if like you know this whole thing, if they're if they're true pack with each other, apparently you just care about each other, and you know it, it does actually confuse me a fair bit because we have um you know so many questions about what makes someone proper pack, but you know Isaac and, and Cora definitely are both in Derek's pack as of now, so maybe it's like this automatic bond. Yeah, I could see that happening. So then the next thing that happens is that Jennifer comes back because she found out that the Alpha Pack is in the hospital and they're after her. And she knows that the only way out is going to be with Derek and the rest of them because she has the power over them because she knows how to cure Cora and she knows where the sheriff is. So they're going to help her get out of the hospital and she'll in turn help them. And basically, like, uh, this is more like in the car over where she says, you know, I don't have to help you save your sister, she's talking to Derek, but I want to. She's basically volunteering to help save Cora. So, I don't know. Jacob, what do you think? Do you think that she's being genuine, at least a little bit? I mean, obviously we know how the episode ends, but again, this relationship with Derek, I don't know how genuine it is. I, In my opinion, I think that Jennifer has real feelings for Derek, um, but, like, she has more of them than he has for her, and that's how I kind of feel about it, and that's why she she doesn't really care about Cora, she just cares about how what Derek feels, and even if Derek might not trust her after all this is happening, and obviously she's kind of, you know, messed up in the head, but I think that if she, she thinks that if she saves Cora, then she'll gain some sort of trust back with him. Yeah, I agree. I think that she's trying to find a way to keep Derek because I think that she's delusional about him. And I, I also kind of think that she's kind of like the mission that she thinks she's on. She's kind of like not power hungry, but like kind of she's got all this like righteous, like anger and purpose or whatever. And that maybe yeah. that sometimes consumes her and that kind of takes over, like not in a whole like split personality way exactly, but like she gets caught up in that. But then she has these moments of like, oh, but I love Derek. And <laughs> it's a bit confusing. Um, but I think that, yeah, there's some yeah stuff at war inside of her about whether she is like she knows that it doesn't like really help her her purpose or whatever. But I mean, the fact of the matter is like she potentially poisoned Cora herself. Like, you know, what we're saying is that she did this to Cora, you know, potentially. We're not just saying that she was the one, you know, who can now heal her. Apparently she did this to Cora. So did she do it to Cora in order to have the bargaining tool over Derek? Like, even though that she allegedly loves him? She's been kind of like one step ahead this entire time. So by having 
Korra poisoned or whatever, then that gives her the advantage for when maybe she knew that people would find out that she's a Duroc eventually. And so now she 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 knew that she needed this upper hand um, before everyone else knew it. Yeah, I would say that it makes sense that, yeah, she kind of had it, her as a bargaining chip for whenever Derek potentially could be turned against her. So we don't know how long that she's been potentially poisoning her or whatever like if it just is in sync with what happened last episode or if it's like that just uh exacerbated it her getting injured by Aiden (laughs) yeah I keep thinking back to what Styles said when him and Scott were driving over about how even though Derek found out that she was the Drock it looked like everything was still going according to plan and I mean by now we need to really pay attention to what Styles is saying because he's almost always right and I just can't help but think that yeah I mean she's set this up for for quite a long time Styles definitely is almost always right even with the whole like it just it really stuck out to me this episode as well with the whole um when he when they were looking for weapons in the in the next bit um in this sort of continuation of this scene and he was like oh the defibrillators and and Derek's like do you know how to use those and he's like well no and he's like put them down which number one that back and forth (laughs) also killed me but they were also the only things that ended up actually knocking off the twins you know so you know he has good ideas so yeah yeah (laughs) just um the execution I guess sometimes is not not the best but The bit about, like, that I mentioned before about, like, oh, other people don't know this was as well, like, the continuation of this scene where Jennifer kind of tells every tells Scott to tell them all that, you know, he's going to be a true alpha, that Deucalion wants Scott in the pack because he wants a true alpha. I was not aware that, like, everyone didn't know this. Like, maybe not Derek and stuff, but, like, even Styles was kind of like, what's that? Like, so... Is this something Scott's really been hiding that much? Yeah, I think it has, because I remember um, in the previous episode when uh, Scott and Morel had that scene in the mm. office, and she was telling him all about, like, the true alpha true alpha thing. And um, he kind of came out, and he had, just, he had, like, the look on his face where he was just like, yeah, this is real. And so it kind of seemed to me like he hasn't necessarily wanted to share it with anyone yet, because, I don't know, not necessarily like he's ashamed of it, but more like he's afraid of what people are going to think or if that makes uh, him a threat and that he's worried for his safety or, I don't know, something like that. Yeah, I mean, I'm not too surprised that he didn't tell Derek and stuff like that because Derek has, you know, how how would you broach that? Like, how would you be like, you know, (laughs) so so my, my good alpha friend Derek, give me some tips about becoming an alpha because you see this thing might be happening to me. Um, but then when they all kind of realize Derek looks quite upset, but Peter, Peter's reaction interested me because he looked, see, if he had a bad plan, I would expect him to look more kind of like sickly curious and obviously evil (laughs) in this scene, if you know what I mean, that he would be like all, Mm -hmm. ooh, but he was kind of like really amazed and like incredulous as well. So I don't know. What did you Mm -hmm. reckon about Peter's reaction to that? I I loved his line when he said, our little Scott. It was just so funny. And yeah, I mean, I have a feeling that Peter's kind of stashing that information in the back of his head to maybe be able to use it later on. Um, but he, 
He definitely seemed surprised. All of them did. I mean, definitely Derek, definitely Styles, and I can see why Styles was so surprised. And it does kind of make me wonder why Scott didn't tell at least him. But I think you're right, Jacob, in that he's terrified of becoming an alpha because, you know, he already struggles with being a werewolf, and then he has to be an alpha and has to probably have a pack and he's going to have more power and maybe it's going to be a lot harder and people are going to take notice of him. It's going to cause a lot more drama. So I think that he was just trying to hide from it. And now, now he just can't. Yeah. I mean, I suppose like being known as like the true alpha or whatever would be, um, a problem. Like it would be a, you know, it would be kind of like an unwanted fame kind of thing. Kind of like, Harry Potter going to Hogwarts and having, like, Snape harass him for being famous, you know? Like, and, um, and it, I mean, yeah, maybe he can, like, run away and, like, change his name and just be, like, have the werewolf community think he's, like, a normal alpha, but I don't know, like, is he going to become, like, Scott of legend kind of thing? It's going to be a bit, (laughs) a bit much, and I, yeah, I don't know how they're going to handle that. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, to jump back really quick to the scene where you're talking about um, Styles and the defibrillators and all of that, um, Peter and the syringe, I don't know why, but I was very attracted to Peter during this scene. <laughs> and this is the part where he basically, like, I think it's Scott pulls up the epinephrine and Derek's all like, no, that'll make him stronger. And you see Peter turn and be like, how strong? And he just like, you know, it cuts to the next part and he walks through the double doors and he has this giant syringe sticking out of his chest. And for some reason, I can't think of the scene exactly, but this reminded me of Iron Man. Like, he looks so much like Robert Downey Jr. right here. Am I crazy or is <laughs> no, that no, like... I, I don't know the specific scene either, but I get what you mean, I think. Um, yeah. But yeah, it was hilarious. And again, like, something that is that certain type of Peter cleverness that they're all kind of looking for a weapon to use against the, you know, wolves. And he was like, Oh, I could use that on me. And it just, I was not prepared for it. Like literally like even when, you know, Scott found it and he said, um, epinephrine and Derek said, no, that'll only make him stronger. And Peter goes, how strong? I kind of was like, are they going to shoot it into them? And it'll make them explode or something. Like I was not prepared to walk out the door with that thing hanging out of his chest. I was just like, I think I literally like out loud was like, oh my god, because it was ridiculous. And I mean, the deep V also helped the whole insanity of the situation. <laughs> Peter's deep V was, you know, the star of the episode, but it was just, oh, it was so funny. And I just, what a beautiful scene, really. It was amazing. And I, I just kind of, at first I was, when he walked out with the, the needle in his chest, at first I was like, ow. And then I was like, why didn't he just take it out before, like, he left the room? I don't know. It just, it looked kind of like a zombie almost coming out of there. He was like, oh, yeah. Yeah, he I'm, was like, definitely, like, looking like, like he was, like, like staggering under the, like, rush of it or whatever. Or, like, he crapped his pants or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I I mean, I love this scene, too. I thought it was really, really funny. But I keep going back to this idea that, like, this is the most genuine that I think we've seen Peter. Yeah. I don't know if Peter from season two or, like, earlier this season would have volunteered 
to fight the Alpha Twins and would have, I mean, even with the advantage of having the epinephrine in him, like, I, I don't really see him as going into the fight like that because it doesn't benefit him. He's going to get beat up, and we see later on that he does. He gets pretty injured. And I just, I really wonder if this is kind of like the growth of Peter or if there's something else behind this. Yeah, I I don't know. I mean, I don't want it to be a lie, you know, like I want it. To, I think that he has good in him. I think that the only person <laughs> in this show that potentially doesn't have any good in them is Gerard. Like, literally, he's the only person, I think, in this entire show that has no good in him. I think, you know, we've seen that from everyone else in the episode, like everyone else in the show, came from a place that could be redeemed. And I think that Peter is probably a close second to, in, in my eyes. I mean, Kate Argent, but she's dead. Um, but Peter, because we don't know exactly what was going on with him in the flashback, if he was, like, secretly evil then or, or whatever. But I think that Gerard is the only person in the show that truly doesn't have any redemptive qualities. Um, and I always, like, tie this back to, like, Spike on Buffy, like that he um, obviously started out as a major villain and is, you know, was notoriously ruthless, but had enough of an emotional background that you could tie, you could make his personality turned all the way around from, you know, to anti-hero to legitimate hero of the end of the series. And I think that any character that has an emotional background has the potential to do that. True off of that. (laughs) (laughs) um and like even i mean jennifer you know i don't know how we'd get past the you know mass murders so i mean as far as we know peter's only killed laura and i mean that was a bit screwed up but you know apparently he's killed some other people that i guess we'll see but um but you know jennifer's clearly done a lot of a lot of bad here and we you know but we know that her background was quite emotional and that she it you know is apparently um you know thinking that she's doing right so uh, they could turn her around in some way if they wanted to i guess whether you'd want to see that or not is is another question though i would like to see that because yeah like i really think that they they could do the same thing basically with peter because she she um she said in the last episode that what she's doing is like a necessary evil and she was kind of trying to justify it to herself. And, um, while I still think it's pretty evil, um, it, it, it is kind of, she's doing it for her own self, but she's also doing it for like, like if, if, as far as reasons go, she's doing it for a fairly good reason. If it has to happen, you know what I mean? Once again, yeah. though, I mean, I, I agree that she thinks she's doing it for a good reason, but once again, we don't necessarily – she's doing that because she thinks the Alpha Pack are going to go out there and, like, kill all of these people in the future, right? Like, mm-hmm. yeah. again, we don't know that they are or that they have. We don't know what they do with their time when they're not trying to recruit Scott. We know that they killed their packs and that and their emissaries to become the Alpha Pack and that she thinks that that's wrong and that's what where her kind of beef comes from. But we don't know that they go around, like, con- that pack has been formed for, like, ten years and it hasn't had any new members come into it or whatever. We don't know what they do with their time. They might go bowling. They might, you know. <laughs> you know we don't see them <laughs> killing heaps of people. I mean, Carly, you know, we, we saw, you know, obviously she killed the um, 
ambulance driver, you know, to, you know, stop their plans and stuff like that. And But this is all in sort of a extended battle. Um, we don't know what they do when they're the alpha pack and are not potentially recruiting Derek or whatever. So... There, there are still so many things we just don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, do you think that... Like, I get it if it's like, oh, we need to stop them so that um we need we need to stop them so that you know they don't hurt don't just save me save everyone that they're going to hurt in future um but same could be said for anyone and, and we don't know what the alpha pack does when they're not fighting this particular villain you know like so i'm a bit confused what would you most like the alpha pack to do in their spare time karen oh man i don't know i don't know but i will say that i i think that jennifer was trying to convince Derek that, you know, her reason was legit by saying, if you help me kill them, or if you let me go or whatever, then, you know, they won't kill anybody in the future, because I think that's what he cares about. But really, I think her main focus is is the revenge, and I think that, you know, that's really all she cares about. I mean, yeah, she wants to stop them because of all the horrible yeah. things that they did in the past. But, like, her primary goal is the revenge. And I think by saying that She's we should stop She's trying to justify herself to Derek Exactly, yeah. yeah. And the really awesome thing is that, like you were saying, Jacob, it's kind of a good reason. Like, I kind of... I, I definitely see where she's coming from. And, yeah, she's killing tons of people. That's not cool. But... The awesome thing about the villains on the show is that they are so three-dimensional that for a second, I was actually kind of on Jennifer's side. I was like, the Alpha Pack are really bad people, and I can kind of see where, like, okay, maybe she should finish her thing. But I was like, wait a second, no, because she's got the sheriff, and then she takes Melissa, and I'm like, okay, that's not cool. Like, I don't like that she's killing people, but her reason to want to stop them, I think is a legitimate one because she lost her whole life and probably a lot of other people that she knew. Yeah. And once again, she was talking about like her face and now it's all mutilated now, which by the way, it still confuses me because I want to know like how she gets it to not be like that. Yeah. But that's beside the point. I think, I feel like the whole thing, like the fact that she was like, Oh, I hope you're not asking the most like, you know, superficial question. Is that her real face? Kind of thing. I, I, I wonder if the whole thing is just, like, in, like, like vain anger that she's not pretty anymore and that she's trying to make up excuses for everything else. Oh, oh and man. if it is, and I actually hate her, but for the time being, yeah. I'm just, like... Because I, I did not like, like the way that she asked that question about the whole, like, oh, is that her real face, like, thing. I, I actually r- really disliked that, so, yeah, we shall see. Um, it kind of came off as creepy to me. yeah. Changing gears here for a second, we go into quite a big scene here with Styles and Cora. And once again, Cora's not really doing anything but like being dead for the moment. And yeah. Styles has to give Cora mouth to mouth. And basically, we find out he has that line afterwards that, you know, the next time I put my lips to your mouth, I hope that you're awake. So, like, we definitely know that Styles has feelings for Cora now. What do you guys think about that? How do you feel about that, Jacob? Um, well, first, I just wanted to say that he did not do CPR right. <laughs> he did no compressions. He did no compressions. And so she would have been dead anyway because her heart was stopped. But anyway, yeah, but uh, the Styles and Cora, I 
still like don't really know. I can see it obviously, but it just it's almost like Jeff kind of spraying it on me. I wasn't really expecting that to happen, you know. So I'm just kind of like, you know, whatever happens, happens. I wondered about, I mean, I as well was like, oh, my God, he does really like her uh, when he said that line. But also, all right, I am not, I don't know how to say this in a way that's not going to sound really bad. <laughs> just say it. From just do experience, it. teenagers have a thing where they start liking someone just because they can. Or they're like, oh, yeah, I could hook up with them, might as well, if you know what I mean. Like, it's not necessarily like, oh, my God, I'm I'm totally secretly pining away in love with you, if you know what I mean. It's like... That's totally right. That's what I feel like this is. He's a boy, she's a girl, and he could potentially have not necessarily had, oh, my God, I'm secretly crushing on you, but, like, oh, I've just kissed you. Like, I'm going to make a kind of, like, you know, oh, I potentially wouldn't mind kissing you for real. Like, I wouldn't wouldn't mind it. But maybe I'm just saying this because I know that Adelaide's not going to be in the second half of this season, this 3B, so that if he does secret, if he does really fall in love with her, it's only going to end in pain. And so I don't want to, don't necessarily want that to happen either. So, but do, do, do you guys know what I mean when I'm saying that? Like, about, like, people, especially, like, at that age, can get into a situation where it's just like, oh, I mean, I think it happens at any age, honestly, like in social circles, it's like, it's not necessarily like, oh, I'm secretly super having feelings for you and pursuing you, but it's like, oh, if it came up, I probably would. Yep. Yeah. Definitely have noticed that sort of thing happening in my school. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm wondering if it's like that, but I also think that he is quite interested by her, that he's like, you know, that there's something about her that he he's been stuck with her in the same way that Alison has been stuck with Isaac in the, you know, last little while. And I feel like that he is definitely interested in her in some way. That being said, the way that he said that, that, oh, the next time I put my lips to your mouth, you better be awake, did kind of sound like he'd thought about it before. So, yeah. But again, I think that any, um, that there are definitely circumstances where, um, guys or girls would, you know, think potentially about any attractive person in, in their circle unless they're so hung up on one person that they don't see anyone else. And we, you know, m maybe Styles isn't like that with Lydia anymore because, I mean, we see at the beginning of the season that he's quite happy to hook up with Heather, um, his friend, and when he'd never necessarily thought about that before. So I think that is something that happens, but... I kind of do want them to get together, but I also don't want it to be horrible pain and death and crying. So yeah, <laughs> I have a feeling it's gonna. I have a feeling it's going to end up um, being more complicated next episode. Funnily with the whole Lydia Lydia thing yeah. that we don't really know too much yeah. about. Maybe she gets really jealous and decides to kiss Styles. I would <laughs> like that actually. I think that would be cool. Yeah, I. I yeah, it would be interesting if he did you know if she didn't realize how she thought about him until she saw him with someone else you know that kind of classic thing of me yeah yep so bringing drama to the teen wall <laughs> we've been asked to talk really quickly about steric people were just sort of wondering if steric would be totally out the window if cora and styles did date and my opinion on this is that it's a possibility. I mean, it would be kind of strange, but at the same time, I do 
kind of have a hard time picturing Styles and Cora together because, like you were saying, Natalie, there um, she's not going to be in season three B, and we only have two episodes left. So that would be like a really short amount of time for them to get together and then like not. And I mean, mm-hmm. it's possible, but I don't know. I don't really see it happening. Yeah, I personally don't think it's going to pan out. I yeah, I I think if they if Jeff wants Derek to happen, he'll make it happen. That's that's my opinion. I think that there've been plenty of shows where you know, I don't watch One Tree Hill, but isn't that entire show about, like, two brothers that date, like, a million of the same girls, like, uh, or something <laughs> like that? Like, you know, just because Cora and Derek are a boy and a girl doesn't mean that, you know, they can't necessarily both hook up with the same person. It, it does happen. But, you know, I, I, again, don't know whether Derek will or should be a thing, but um, I do not think that this one random incident or, you know, whatever ends up happening there, um, would necessarily mean that Derek and Cora, um, sorry, definitely not Derek and Cora, (laughs) (laughs) Derek and Styles couldn't get together if Jeff actually did want that to be a thing. Um, you know, I, I, Derek has had so much, like, problems with everyone, like, all the people that he's been with, and if he loses Cora in some way as well, like, you know, if he's, going to if she you know lives and then goes off somewhere else you know whatever happens um because obviously we don't know exactly what's going to happen to her you know or if she dies um you know maybe I've got a feeling that like steric will happen only when you know if it gets to the point where sort of Styles and Derek are all each other has left in a way or if they're to they're they're put together in a way that's like not not like oh we're trapped in a hole but like I mean I suppose that could be a thing but but more in like that they become each other's emotional crutch or they or one becomes the other's emotional crutch and maybe like losing Cora in some way would be that to both of them but again I yeah I, I think that if if Jeff wants it to happen it'll happen I don't think that this will make that much of a difference, but I don't know if it'll ever happen. I think you keep having a Freudian slip, Natalie, because you spent half of last episode calling Paige Cora, and I think you just really want Cora and Derek together. Oh my god! (laughs) That would be very weird. Um, That would be weird. Can I just bring up something else about werewolves right now? Um, sure. It's to do with the it's to do with the Remus Lupin Pottermore thing. It's a very small side note because you just talked about incest. Sorry. Um, <laughs> in the Remus Lupin Pottermore biography, this is about werewolves. It's relevant. The whole bit where it talks about just you know if anyone hasn't read this, like you know, that he, she talks about J.K. Rowling talks about like how Tonks and Remus got together and all of that kind of thing, and then you know it's. Apparently, like, they go through this whole period of, like, Remus thinking that Tonks was in love with Sirius, in, you know, instead of with him. Like, that, you know, and, and I think it's vaguely mentioned in the book after um, Sirius dies as well in the sixth book that um, Hermione's like, oh, my God, maybe she was in love with Sirius and, or, you know, or Harry says it. I can't remember. I think it was Harry. And yeah. a few times, I'm sorry, but why do people keep making this assumption when Tonks and Sirius were cousins. They're like they were, they were related like quite closely, and it and it's stated like you know oh yeah Tonks I think Tonks's mother was Sirius's first cousin and he says that like he's like oh yeah Andromeda Tonks she was blah blah and I'm like 
But J.K. Rowling references so many times the idea that Tonks was potentially in love with Sirius. Not that she was, but, like, that that's not, you know... I mean, it's not brother and sister, but it kept striking me as strange, and I just wanted to vocalise it somewhere that was talking about werewolves. <laughs> um, so, yes. Um, opinions on Tonks and the potential Tonks and Sirius... Uh, incest um, validated by J.K. Rowling, apparently, uh, hit me up on Twitter because I was confused. Anyway, moving on, I do not think that Derek and Cora should get together, funnily enough. Um, <laughs> I think I would be okay if that didn't happen. And, yeah, moving on. The other big part of this scene was basically Styles's monologue here and how he talks about how he's kind of surprised that, you know, he says, Scott will get us out of this. And he's like, wow, I can't believe I just said that. I used to be the one with the plan. And I have a feeling that this is sort of going to be a really big theme in the next two episodes, especially connected with his anxiety and his panic attacks, because I have a feeling that him being without a plan isn't a normal thing and that this whole supernatural thing is so crazy to him right now that he just doesn't know what to do and I have a feeling that's really gonna freak him out so I'm gonna be interested to see if like this sort of evolves into episode 11 and episode 12. Yeah I mean I think that he's getting a bit yeah that he's sort of getting stranger and stranger like that in, in that way like in that he's becoming less together. Like, I mean, even the thing with the baseball bat earlier in the episode, as I said, it's not characteristic of him. It's not usually what he does, like the whole, like, act first, think later. Um, and it's, I mean, on one hand, it is, like, kind of strange, you know, you know, strange for Scott to be, you know, doing all this genius stuff. And, you know, I don't think it's just simply a matter of, like, oh, I used to be smart. But, yeah, I think that he's at a loss now and i think that it would have been seeing that for a while yeah i i've noticed over the past few um i guess this entire season how scott and styles's um relationship has changed a little bit now we saw like you know that really good moment in motel california with the whole um flame thing uh but it just seems to me like they're kind of pulling away from each other just a little bit this season you know and so it makes me want to like at the end of the season have there be a scene between them that's like kind of fixes that or something you know or like at the end of this half season yes i totally agree yeah but i mean i don't know how i can't see how it would happen though i mean i hope it will but i i can't see how it will happen yeah because well, i just it's just like back in season one it was kind of like especially when scott first got um got bitten he uh he and styles were kind of more on the same level of like you know you know what i mean yeah and so now, like, in season three, he's Scott's kind of becoming more of a leader, obviously, so that he can fit this uh, true alpha role. But then it's kind of leaving Styles back into the um, into the background. And I, don't th I think that's, that's kind of taking a toll on him. Yeah, and, I mean, I don't think it's just an all-left-out thing, but, like, I think that, yeah, he's really becoming at a loss at what to do. Yeah. This is why he needs the utility belt. <laughs> yes um so you can keep up with scott moving on to the next scene um we have that great scene where melissa shocks the twins and i just i really love that scene she was so awesome there but the the big thing that i wanted to talk about was the twins how 
the one twin, we need like a good name for him because I, I don't know what to call him. <laughs> it's kind of weird to call him the twins, but the big anyway, twin. <laughs> the big twin, yeah, okay. Twinzilla. Uh, twin, oh, perfect. <laughs> twin Hulk, something. Twinzilla, we're keeping that, okay. So when Twinzilla has Scott up against the wall, he says, we don't want to hurt you. And I thought that was kind of significant in that I wonder if Aiden is becoming more hesitant too and doesn't actually want to hurt Scott. Because when he said earlier, you know, he kind of just wanted to go after Jennifer. I don't think he really wanted to hurt Scott either, but this was kind of more of a declaration of that. Did you guys read it that way at all? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if it was like just Ethan um, taking control or... I don't know, Aiden Aiden needs a good slap, is what Aiden needs. Um, <laughs> Aiden needs to sort out his priorities, because, yeah, I don't, I don't know, you know, I think that he is, I think he's more similar to Ethan that he's, than he's acting, but that just he feels more obligated to Deucalion, or feels more, um, you know, like, he can't break away from the control and, and Ethan can. Like, he has more self-confidence or or something like that. But, but yeah, I mean, I kind of took that, the whole Twinzilla saying that as it definitely sort of coming from Ethan. I also don't think that Aiden is, like, this ruthless, like, come on, stop caring about things, let's go kill, kill, kill. Like, I think that he is just <laughs> more set to the task he's been set, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Side note, I really think they should start wearing name tags because I get them confused so much. They often <laughs> shoot it like Ethan is a little bit shorter, like when they're having conversations, and that's the only what reason I was able to tell them apart this episode. But yeah, it is a little it is a little ridiculous. Yeah, like, they need like different. special werewolf name tags. Yeah. yeah. I I can like I can tell after a while once they've but once they've been talking like which one's which. Although I don't really know the names, but I can tell like which one's with Danny and <laughs> which one's the other one. <laughs> and, yeah, wait, so is it is it Ethan with Danny? Or is it yeah. Aiden with Danny? Ethan. Okay. I'll I'll remember that for like ten minutes. <laughs> Although how can they wear name tags if they like never have a shirt on? They can wear like them they can wear collars. It's not like it's painful <laughs> to pull it off, they oh. shave their chest. Ew. <laughs> well oh, they do. Man. <laughs> Okay. Anyway, <laughs> speaking of Melissa, did anyone else think it was really, really convenient that Deucalion let Melissa go, knowing full well that Jennifer was going after parents and guardians? Yeah, I mean, I think that it was, like, because at first when he let her go, I was like, oh, Deucalion, see, he's he's not trying to hurt anyone. Like, you know, he just, you know, he doesn't <laughs> hurt anyone he doesn't have to. He's a nice man, sort of. And, um... When he had that whole conversation with Carly and, you know, she was like, why did you let her go? You have a soft spot for Scott. Number one, I, I liked that line. They're like, no, I have an investment I'm trying to mature or whatever. But then I was like, oh, did he just do that for no reason? But then by the end, I was like, no, did he do that on purpose so that Jennifer would take her so that it would be a bargaining tool for, you know, for Deucalion? And, I mean, if that's stupid because – I'll tell you why that's stupid. It's not stupid of Jucalian. It's quite clever of Jucalian. It's stupid of Jennifer. Do you know how many parents there are in that town? It's a lot. He, <laughs> she wants Scott to protect her from the Alpha Pack, right? She wants those people to help her. 
why would you take the parents of the people you want? I mean, I suppose, you know, it would mean, you know, oh, I could, you know, Scott, help me or I'll kill your mum. But, you know, did he, she not think that the answer was going to be, you know, oh, now Scott's going to help Ducalion? Like, it's just, it didn't seem very clever. I'm thinking convenience, maybe, just because they were right there, and I think she wants to finish this ritual up as quickly as possible, that maybe she just decided to grab them because they were available. Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying, but I mean, I, I think that she should have tried a bit harder, because, you know, she had yeah. Styles' dad, and that was an, already enough leverage that they were helping for that, but it didn't mean that Scott was going over to the Alpha Pack. But taking his mum, now, you know, she's where he do- she doesn't want him to be. Like, I can't think of any reason why she'd want him to be, you know, with Mr. Deucalion. So, I don't know. It just seems stupid. Getting into Jennifer's story, this was a huge reveal. I, I mean, it was kind of on par with the fact that she was the Duroc in the last episode because we find out, for one, that she was actually Kali's emissary. I don't know about you guys, but I did not see that coming. I, I would have bet money that she was the twins' emissary. But she yeah, was Kali's, and, Kali, and her name was Julia, and Kali didn't want to kill her but she did because she wanted to be in the pack and she wanted to be in the pack to be with Ennis too. And basically what happened was that she, Julia slash Jennifer, this is getting to be like once upon a time where everybody has like three names. I'm just (laughs) going to call her Jennifer from (laughs) like now on. (laughs) So Jennifer was crawling to the, the stump, the Nemeton and it um, basically it didn't have power before, but a couple of months prior to when she was nearly killed, Derek killed Paige right on the tree, and that was a, a virgin sacrifice. And so that gave the tree power, which allowed Jennifer to hold on a little bit longer until she was found, and that's basically how she survived the attack and came to be the Drak and, and want revenge on everybody. And we get a little bit of background on the mistletoe and the Norse myth and, and that sort of thing. And we find out that the emissaries are the ones that were the overlooked and Deucalion overlooked them. And now she's getting revenge, I think, on behalf of everybody. So, whew, that, w- that was a lot. That was a huge reveal, I think. Yeah. Really was that whole scene was just like whoa. And I mean, I I really liked the way that Carly told the story as well. That she clearly had a lot of yeah feelings about it, and that um you know the fact that she was all like I didn't understand why I had to kill her too, and but I did it because you told me to. And I I know I, again like when I said that like everyone in the show has an emotional background except Gerard. Like Carly, you know, can count in that as well. Now I think that she has. You know, she seems to have gone a bit crazy and cold now, but that she definitely has that now. So, um, yeah, I loved seeing that side of her because I liked Kali from the beginning. I thought she was just really sort of badass and and kind of cool. And I knew that she was going to be a major bad guy. So I wasn't necessarily pulling for her to kind of have the softer side to her. Mm. But the last few episodes, she has been really, really cold. And I've kind of stopped liking her as much because she's just been so ruthless and to get this story now is just like, wow. You know, like I said, three-dimensional character, three-dimensional villain. It's so nice when they can write a character like this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
it makes me think that they're kind of like pulling toward you know whenever they're gonna wrap up this alpha pack storyline if they ever do that they'll um it'll be sort of like they'll turn on Deucalion because they'll find out like Ennis died and that will make sense because they're not like all evil except for Deucalion who's kind of like controlling and everything. Yeah, I mean if Kali actually joined the Alpha Pack to be with Ennis like in a like a husband way, then like it's definitely she's not gonna be happy to find out that Deucalion squished his head. Like yeah, seriously. <laughs> so basically, I was looking through Tumblr, and this is something that Brooke and Courtney brought to our attention too, but the Nematon, which is that big tree, it's actually a stump. We get like an overview of it, and we see that the tree has basically been cut down. And I I mean, I don't know if this is like super important, if that's supposed to mean something, and I'm just forgetting like a bit of backstory or something like that, but do you guys have any idea if that could be like really important? I mean, I think they talked about in the show that they had that the, the druids had these like holy trees, like the nematons, like instead of like churches, pretty much, and that it was like that when it was cut down, it was like caused all like you know rage and horror and like all of that oh, kind of stuff. Right, but, right, right. But I think that that's the reason it had no power. I think if it had been a growing tree, it wouldn't have needed Paige. You know, it would have had the power, but it was like Paige being sacrificed on the roots meant that even the dead stump sort of had a little bit of power to help Jennifer. That's the only thing I got from it. That makes sense. I I keep thinking back to what Chris was saying and how he was like, yeah, it causes this and this and this and fires. And I don't, I mean, I guess we, we do know that Kate was the one that set the fire and everything, but... I don't know, I keep getting this connection in my head between him saying that cutting down the tree can cause the fire and the Hale House fire, and I'm just like, are they more connected than maybe we think? Well, I was thinking, like, why on earth was that massive tree cut down? Like, it was a huge tree, and I'm wondering if any of, like, the wood in it was used in the Hale House. Oh. And then it caught fire. Yeah, and then the fire was really bad. You would think that Deaton would be like, no, don't use that one. Um, yeah. <laughs> True. Where was Deaton this episode? He weren't helping. <laughs> he, he, he was fitting the suicidal kitties. Oh, God. Um, oh. He, he was, yeah, he was nowhere to be seen, and they probably could have helped, you know, used him, so. And, I mean, has he known the whole time that, that the Dirac was, like, one of the emissaries? He would have known these people. He would have known Julia and, like, the emissaries of all of the other alpha packs you know alpha pack people surely like i think that right. he i think him and morel both knew what the deal was but they were like like what like sworn in a like, secret druid pack to like not tell it and like let the people like sort it out like you know oh we don't interfere with like these human trivialities they have to go sort it out or whatever it was really mm-hmm. strange i i do wonder though if maybe they the um the druids the Deaton and Morel didn't know about Jennifer because they we never see them talking to her. So I, there, I mean, like we might, it might they might not know she never, exists. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, yeah. They could they could still think she's dead like everyone else. Yeah, that's true actually. Because they never none of them ever had a scene together. So mm. interesting. Although I can kind of see like Morel and Jennifer like eating in the staff lunchroom together or something and like getting weird vibes from each other. Mm. I don't know weird uh emissary vibes yeah (laughs) my emissary vibes are tingling (laughs) 
So in the last part of this episode, we get kind of a bunch more information. Obviously, we live off on a big cliffhanger, but we find out that the total lunar eclipse will get rid of all the werewolves' powers temporarily while the event is going on. And that's obviously when Jennifer is going is planning on taking out the Alpha Pack. So we kind of get the answer to that. Um, Boyd's wondering what's going to happen during the lunar eclipse. And then we get Allison dressing up as Jennifer and tricking Kali and the twins. And basically what happens near the end was that Jennifer knocks out Derek and takes Melissa. And then Deucalion knew what was going to happen, tells Scott that if, you know, he had been with him, I could have warned you. And he says, if you help me get Jennifer, I will help you find your mom. And Scott doesn't really know what to do. Styles is begging him not to, but he walks off with Deucalion and the episode doesn't quite end there. But we see Melissa and the sheriff down at the bottom of the tree, and they are two of the sacrifices that Jennifer has planned for the Guardians. A few things Uh here. First of all, when, you know, Jennifer, basically before, just before she knocks out Derek, right, Um, and she's, you know, telling him about whatever, about, you know, how he helped bring her back to life and all of that. How did she know, like, about, like, Paige's name and, like, you know, she might know that the tree happened because did she research this? How did she know everything about that that was Derek was the one to do it and all of that kind of thing? And she says to him, you know, you've he says you've killed innocent people and she says, so have you. I mean, I know the real colour of your eyes. Like, do you know, does and that kind of makes him hesitate. You know, does he think that killing Paige is anywhere near close of, on the level of her? Like, that whole thing to start with, like, um, you know, her, all her information about Paige and then what she said was very confusing to me. It's another reason kinda, you need a therapist. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> I just kind of wonder if it has something to do with the actual sacrifice because she says that by killing, you know, the philosophers and the guardians and the virgins and all of that, they she gets their power. And I wonder if, like, it's some sort of, like, she gets their essence or, like, their yeah. history or something about them. So, like, because that sacrifice went to the tree and then she touched the tree, maybe she just kind of, like... It, like, flowed through everything. Yeah. Yeah, 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 I can imagine that, I think. Um, As far as the lunar eclipse goes, that's kind of what I suspected. I think we talked about it before that, like, maybe, like, on an eclipse that they would lose their powers and that would be a time when you could beat them. So, I mean, obviously this is probably going to mean something bad for the good werewolves as well, though. Like, that probably something bad will happen to them that they can't use their powers for. Right. Um, I remember just I wanted to make this little point here. I thought it was funny because they kept calling the place where um the the sheriff and Melissa are being held as the root cellar, and I looked that up, and it has nothing to do with the tree, but uh, it, it means like a root cellar is like a place where they store uh, like root foods, like beets and stuff. So that just made me laugh because the tree roots is what makes it a root cellar to me. So I was, I don't know, I just thought that was like a clever on words, so. <laughs> yeah, I was kind of confused because I was like, wait, a root cellar doesn't mean you have like half a tree growing in your basement. <laughs> yeah, it's not a cellar invaded by roots. Yeah. 
But anyway, yeah. my, my big question here actually is, does Scott have a plan like he did in season two? Oh, with Gerard and, and stuff yeah. like that. I, honestly, I wouldn't put it. I honestly don't think that he does at the moment. I mean, he may, but I don't think he does. Yeah, I, I would kind of have to agree with that. I mean, he looks pretty stricken, and he was a good actor with Gerard, but, I mean, his mom is taken, and I don't think he really saw any of this coming, so I would be pretty surprised if they did kind of a wool over our eyes like they did in season two. Mm-hmm. A few things in this whole interaction, um, this whole, like, kind of ending part, just about, actually about Isaac and the Argents. Like, it really interested me, like, Number one, oh my god, the way that Isaac pulled up in that little Toyota hatchback was so product placey. Like, it, I, I don't usually notice this kind of thing. Like, I know Derek's car is a Toyota and stuff as well, like the big um, uh, people carrier thing. But the way that Isaac, like, posed the car, like, when he was about to start, it looked like a car ad. I was like, whoa. Um, but, okay, that's not the point. The point is... Um, more Isaac and Allison stuff here, like when I guess his plan he had to drive the car to get, you know, Cora out. I don't really understand exactly what happened because he, they had the phone set up and he was um meant to drive away as soon as he saw the twins, I guess, with Cora and and that. But um I loved that little interaction, like where he she's she says to him, You're not nervous, are you? And he says, Do I look nervous? And she says no, not at all. And then her dad says, did he look nervous? And she goes, terrified. And he's like, yeah, I can still hear you very, very clearly. And <laughs> it was just, again, a beautiful and, like, a Chris really accepting of um, Isaac, like, really accepting of Isaac. And, I mean, maybe if Scott had come into Alison's life at this point, you know, if, if he she'd gone through this with someone else and Scott had come in and he was disappointed about Wells, he would have been like that about Scott. But I, the, the Isaac and Argent's team was just... I don't know, really interesting to me. And then later, when he gets in the car and Peter throws Cora in the car and they're like, go, 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 um, you know, he's sort of waiting for Scott and he's like, no, not without Scott, I can't. And Peter's kind of like, what you want? He goes, do you want the Argents to die too? Make a choice. And then Isaac's just like, ah, oh, and he goes. And I'm like, does that mean he's like choosing, not like to die, but like choosing Alison or, as in, oh, I, I care more about Alison now than I do about Scott like if I'm gonna if I've been holding myself back from having feelings for Allison because I care about Scott you know is this a metaphor for that if you know what I mean I don't think so what I think is going on is that I mean Scott can obviously take care of himself a little bit better than Allison I mean she's tough she's really tough but Scott's a werewolf he has supernatural powers Mm. and I think like he knew he had to get Cora out of there he knew he had to get out of there for the Argents' sake too and I think like yeah, he didn't want to leave without Scott, but it was just too much of a risk. I don't necessarily think it means that he's picking Allison over Scott. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't necessarily think that either. But especially even the way he said, like, not without Scott. Clearly, he's still addicted to Scott. So, like, <laughs> no, like, I, I didn't, yeah, I didn't really understand what the plan was, like, what he was looking. And, like, because when he drove the car, the people on the video screen scattered. And I'm like, who were they? Like, were they right in front of you? I don't understand really what happened because I, th- that whole visual threw me off a bit. But anyway, yeah, this, uh, if we don't get some sort of, like, Isaac and, and Argent's kind of, not resolution, but, like, some sort of 
explosion by the end of the season, I'm going to be pretty disappointed. <laughs> Not angry explosion, but like if it, if it doesn't all come to a head because they've been vibing the hell out of it. Oh, okay, because at first I thought you meant you wanted them to explode, and I was like, not a literal violent. explosion, and also not a major <laughs> explosion, but like if it doesn't all come to a head with a like, you've been spending a lot of time with Allison, yes, we're secretly together, sorry, Scott, or something like that, you know, you can come too. Um, but, <laughs> but yeah, I just want to know. I mean, they have had a, a real lack of romance. I mean, this isn't a romance show, we haven't had a lot of episodes this season focusing on, oh, I'm getting together with so-and-so, you know, that's not really what the show's been about this season, but I'm getting a bit curious. Yeah, Yeah. totally. So jumping into our promo for next week, I I mean, we usually don't go over the promo, but I have to talk about it because I'm so excited. There are like two major things that are going on. At least that's what it appears in, in this upcoming episode 311 Mm. and basically we have Cora is still really sick and Derek is possibly going to be giving up his alpha powers in order to save her what do you guys think about that Jacob don't know if it's the smartest idea but I I like it I like the development I think that's interesting I've thought for a while that Derek is not going to remain an alpha and I've been wondering how that would happen. Like, if you can become, like, a a true beta and you're, you're so crap at being an alpha that you become a beta by the strength of your own will or something. Like, <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> or you die and have Lydia bring you back. Yeah, and true. <laughs> um, and so that will be interesting in the sense of um, letting, you know, uh, of actually finding a way that he's going to become a beta. Um again and whether it would mean that he would let scott be his alpha which i just i would feel weird about like i wouldn't hate it but i would feel super weird about it and um i but i guess this is a solution i mean i i honestly i I think it will probably work like whatever number one why does peter know about this and number two i think it'll probably work because i think that if cora was gonna die she'd be dead like that we wouldn't have like all of these different ways of like oh let's save Cora and then she's gonna die like I don't think she is gonna die at the end of the season I think they would potentially like the opportunity to bring her back and that she'll she'll just go off yeah and that she'll just go off and and you know do whatever she's been doing and then um party with Jackson yeah that that can happen and then they can come back when they're flop shows flop even more and they are like oh should have come to teen wolf um actually no (laughs) the show adelaide kane's doing looks quite good so we'll see but i think that she would be a character that should definitely be able to recur so i don't think that they're gonna kill her because again they said that derek's allegedly gonna have triumph by the end of the season and if they're like oh you your second mass murdering girlfriend betrayed you and your sister that you found again is now also dead I just don't see that as a triumph, you know? (laughs) Yeah, that's true. The other big thing that happens in the promo is that we see Allison, Scott, and Styles being dunked underwater by, I think it's Lydia, at least, she's at least there, I don't know if, like, anybody else is helping, but what do you guys think is going on with that? I saw on Tumblr, I think it was actually your guys' Tumblr, that um, someone suggested that they're going to stop their hearts so that the parents aren't parents anymore and they can't be sacrifices or something like that. I think that's really interesting. 
Yeah, I think that was really clever. And I could definitely see that being like a thing. Like that just sounds like a really neat kind of oddball solution to the problem. But then I was thinking it over more and I was like, but obviously they're going to have to come back to life and they can't be dead for that long. So like, yeah, how would Jennifer know that, oh, my sacrifices aren't going to work, if you know what I mean? I mean, all yeah. it is is that she could potentially kill them while the kids are dead and then the sacrifice wouldn't work, if you know what I mean. But the parents would still be dead, so I don't really understand. Right. Or and even it, because, like, they're only going to be dead for a couple of minutes at the most, so, like, she could just wait, like, two minutes and they're going to be parents again. So I, I don't really know how that's going to fit in there, but I really like the idea of that theory. Maybe the last sacrifice has to happen at, like, a certain time. True. Hmm. That could that could be a thing because yeah, like, I mean obviously it's, it seems to me like the last sacrifices have to happen near the tree, so maybe there's some other like stipulations or something. Yeah, true. Actually, I I, I don't know. It, it must be a specific. Oh, you've only got one shot to do this, and when if we screw it up for you, then you know you you is screwed forever. So you don't get any more of your voodoo virgin power. Yeah. The other thing in that trailer is obviously um, Chris is not yet taken for part of it because Allison says to him, like, you're one of them, as in one of the sacrifices, presumably. Um, for a minute I was like, ooh, do you mean that he's one of the druids? Uh, That's what I thought. Oh, you totally just ruined that for me. I thought uh, she was saying that that he was a druid. I didn't even think about sacrifices. Well, no, so did I as well. I thought that as well, but then I was really confused because it was like, but he's not taken yet, so, like, how do they know for a fact that we're going to take Chris Argent as opposed to one of the other 100,000 parents in Beacon Hills, you know? Like, so I I want it to be about being the Druids. I think it's meant to look like it means, oh, you're going to be one of the sacrifices. But um, if it's, um, yeah, if I want to know about Chris Argent and his Druid gap year still, so, you know... I'm really – because, again, it comes right after he's, like, reciting a bunch more stuff about druids that he potentially knows too much about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I I made this point to my sister last night after we were talking after the episode, but we were wondering why on earth Jennifer had to choose the best parents. <laughs> like, there are so many parents in this town. <laughs> like Lydia's to crappy mom or whatever. I know. She's going to be in the episode, though. Lydia's mother. Um, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, because Lyndon Ashby is married to the actress, and he said that she's going to be in the next episode. Really? Wow. Yeah, I didn't know, the I didn't know that. Post, right? Wow, yeah. cool. Okay, so that's interesting because, yeah, I mean, uh, presumably we're going to find out more about Lydia in the next episode because she has a bit with Styles and she also has a scene with Peter. So if she's the Banshee, like, maybe her mum's, like, you know in the Teen Wolf movie? Okay, I, I don't know if you saw it, Jacob, but Karen, obviously, you've seen it. You know in the Teen Wolf movie where the the dad, basically the reveal about the character becoming a werewolf is actually totally different. It's it's that it's hereditary and that the dad's like, oh, lol, was trying to find a good way to tell you. What if they do, like, that kind of thing, but with Lydia and being a banshee? Yeah, like her mother's a banshee? Yeah, like that it's, because I don't understand how she just became one. I feel like it's something you had to have been. 
And what if, yeah, what if it's like a, you know, what if it's like an homage to that reveal scene in the Teen Wolf movie, except with Lydia and and Bansheeness, not like obviously Scott being a werewolf is different in in our show. I would I would laugh at that, but yeah, if her mother's gonna be in it, presumably it's gonna be something to do with her backstory. Yeah. I'm imagining the um, the mom walking in and just starts screaming at the top of her lungs. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I'm sorry for that. That was funny. Yeah. So to wrap up the episode, we just have one piece of feedback. This is from Amanda, and this came via email. And she asks us, when Jennifer comes back after trying to escape, she says that she knows where Sheriff Stilinski is. After she says this, it pans to Styles' face and then does a wide shot of Derek trying to attack her. Shipping aside, I got the vibe that the attack was less about Derek being betrayed by her and more of a you-tell-me-where-my-friend's-dad-is-or-I'll-rip-you-to-shreds situation. We've seen Styles' and Derek's friendship grow over the course of the show, and I feel like they have a very close yet very unspoken bond. What are your thoughts on this? I think that this is excellent, actually. Um, I didn't really pick up on that, but I wasn't paying too close attention to, like, people's faces like that. I was just kind of in the moment there. But I think that Styles and Derek are definitely becoming closer because this season they've been thrown together a lot more. And I think that just the fact that, like you were saying earlier, Natalie, the fact that in that scene Derek didn't, like, punch his face in, I think spoke volumes, too. Mm. So I see where maybe not like all of the reason why Derek wanted to attack Jennifer, but I think part of the reason was that, you know, she did know where the sheriff was. I think that, yeah, that that close but unspoken is a good way of putting it um, because, and I think that should Derek ever happen, that it will be, it will be because they like admit, oh, I really care about you now when did that happen kind of thing. But from a non-shipping perspective, yeah, close but unspoken is really like, it's like they are so on the same side. There's no question at all on the same side. They're in a very small circle of people who know about this thing, who are working together. They care about the same people. And yeah, I think that they would do a lot to help each other now, like without not there would be no, oh, why should I help him? I also think that Derek potentially knows that Sheriff Stalinsky is one of the good guys, you know, that he's helped a lot, like, you know, with both the town and he potentially helped, like, during the the fire and that kind of thing. So, um, you know, I think that in general he's just like, that's a good, innocent person who also happens to be, yeah. I mean, Styles was standing there, like, crying. I mean, it's hard to not care when Styles cries. And, yeah, I think that – I definitely think that, yeah, that they're – there's just no question anymore of them not being on the same side. And I think that if Scott becomes an alpha and Derek becomes a beta and, and, and maybe accepts Scott as his alpha, if you know what I mean, which would be so weird, but they would be in the same pack, you know, Styles and Derek. And I think that it would be, it's kind of like, you're like, Oh, why do Isaac and Cora care about each other? And I'm like, yeah, they might have that like psychic pack bond thing, but Styles and Derek are so connected, like they're just not on, there's no question of them being on opposite sides. They're in a very tight knit group and there's just no room for anyone to not care about each other, if you know what I mean. There's Mm -hmm. literally no room for them not to care about each other. Yeah, Yeah. that makes sense. Their relationship is a little weird to me, hard to figure out where it is sometimes. Like, 
because if we were talking about, like, oh, like, Derek and Lydia or something, that might be a bit, like, I don't think he just let Lydia die or whatever, but, like, you know, it's still a bit strange. It's not exactly, um, it's not exactly, uh, they're not super close or whatever. But I don't think that they're necessarily comfortable with each other, but I think that they, they know, like, it's a non-optional, you know, the stars and Derek, it's it's non-optional. Yes, you are a person in my team who is not. It's kind of like you've seen Firefly, Karen. Obviously, yeah. You know that bit where Mal to Simon, like Simon is like a total douchebag in some way, and Simon just goes to him, "Why did you come back for us?" Like, and Mal goes you're on my crew and he's like what does that even mean he's like you're on my crew why are we still talking about this that's what it kind of reminds me of like yeah yeah totally and so yeah I don't know that's kind of what it makes me think of that it's it's just really non-optional at this point basically I agree yep I I really understand like if, if I understand anything about Styles and Derek their relationship whatever that is is that it is pretty unspoken but it, I think it is kind of strong at this point. Does anyone have anything else about this episode in general? Any random points that we didn't touch on that you had something important to say about before we go? Or it was a freaking awesome episode. It no, was. Really. It was really. Yeah. It was another Jeff one. Like, he wrote the whole thing. And apparently he's written the last, like, four. Like, he's written um, Currents, Visionary, Girl Who Knew Too Much, and this one. And I don't know if he's writing the next... Like, if he's written the next two as well. Like, that he's just gone straight through because I mean the next one is clearly going to tie it's it's still going to be the same night or the next morning you know it's it's tying straight in so it'll be really hard to have that written by another writer like I get, unless he worked with other people um but yeah it's going to follow straight through so yeah it definitely had it was one of my favorite episodes this season um and it was directed by Russell Mulcahy or however you say his name but the, the other executive producer who does a lot of the direction on um, a lot of the best episodes, in my opinion. So, yeah, it's, it was a very good one. I enjoyed it. I would like to make a point, though. At the end, I remember um, when we see that uh, Jennifer had knocked out Derek and she escaped through the hatch in the mm. elevator. And then, like, Scott and Styles were running into the, the hospital and everything. The music playing during that part... I was so afraid they were going to find um, Melissa dead for, like, the last part of the show. Oh, my God. I was so terrified. Like, I was like, oh, my God, no, 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 no. And then I was like, oh, it's okay. They're going to save her. It's okay. There's room. (laughs) I will say, oh, a couple of things. I will say, I think what we were talking about, about the trailer and about, like, whether this is a specific time for the sacrifice, I think the fact that she's got them tied up with the tree is actually quite important and tied up together. I reckon that, like, the final one has to be done in a really certain way. Um, yeah, that's what I was As thinking. opposed to, like, oh... I mean, not that any of them have been random. They've all been on the currents or whatever. But, uh, like, they, I think that, you know, this, these ones, seeing as these ones all have to be done specifically at the tree, apparently, that she's going to... Yeah, that, that it's going to be, like, a one-shot glory thing where, like, he where Jennifer has one go in order to do the sacrifice and they managed to mess it up in the nick of time. Uh, the other thing that I didn't really understand was, like, how Alison got Jennifer's clothes. 
Like, they messaged her being like, oh, we're going to do this. We've got a plan. They messaged Derry. But, like, where did she put the – like, how did they get into the hatch? If, if they could get into the hatch to get at the clothes, you know, couldn't have the others got out of the hatch? Like, I don't understand. I wasn't under the impression that she was wearing her clothes. I thought she was just wearing something similar. No, no, no. no. They gave her the clothes. We oh, okay. see I wasn't, her, like, I wasn't paying taking off of taking off her shoes. I'm thinking maybe there was like literally just enough room to slide the clothes through, but not enough for like a person. Derek or Jennifer to yeah to get through. Yeah. Okay. No. Yeah. Because I was I, I watched it a couple of times and I was like, how did that just happen? But yeah. Um. Anyway. So. Aside from that, I mean, next week's episode is called Alpha Pact. Um, which is a very a very punny name, clearly. And along with, you know, clearly the continuation of this entire evening, um, it is going to feature um, another appearance from the walk-on guest role winner, Chantelle Rhodes, who has been a guest on our podcast before, and she will be joining us to do the recap of the episode next week. So that will be cool. I mean, we'll obviously ask her a little bit about her experiences on this episode but we will be talking to her about you know as a fan like going through the episode with her that she was in so that's cool um we've got a lot planned for the uh you know these these last few episodes before we have a giant break of you know five months or whatever Uh, with no five months of hell i don't know how we're gonna survive it (laughs) I mean, I don't even know what we're going to do because we don't have um, – obviously, in the last hiatus, we were recapping season one and two. We've done that now. So if anyone has any ideas about what kind of episodes they'd like to see from us in that time period that we have off, uh, please let us know because we can probably do, you know, once a fortnight, once a month maybe, you know, like a, a bunch of interesting episodes if we can pull something together. I mean, if you'd like to hear us – talk to someone from the Teen Wolf cast, you know, that's, you know, not that likely, potentially, but we could try <laughs> and apply to their publicists and, and get some interviews, or we can, um, you know, if if you promote us on Twitter to the, uh, you know, or wherever to the official accounts, like, the more, the more people on the show who know about us as a, as a resource, the more they may be willing to come on and, and promote the show, but... Um, we can do ones on specific mythologies or we can do ones on, you know, all, all sorts of things. But if you give us the ideas of what you'd like, we can try and put something together to you to keep you occupied in the five months we have without any more episodes. As a listener, casual listener, I would like to suggest that you <laughs> that you guys um, talk about, uh, like, characters maybe. And so, like, you'd have an, an episode, like, for Derek and an episode for Styles or something like that. And you can talk about, like, their journey and... Um, you know, their personality or something like that. I don't know. Yeah, we can do... Yeah. We can try and do stuff like that. We can do, you know, or if there's anyone you'd like to see come on the podcast, like any more, um, you know, any of our friends or guest hosts that we've had on before or whatever, we can look into all that. But next week we have Chantel, and that should be fun, hopefully, for everyone involved. Until then, though, I guess we'll say bye, and thank you to Jacob, obviously. So... Um, oh yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, did you hopefully had a bit of fun? I had a ton of fun. Cool. Um, and then, highlight <laughs> of my day. Ah. <laughs> and then Jacob, um, yeah. So you have your YouTube channel that you've mentioned. What was it again? Yeah. 
It's uh the eighth Potter, so it's like Jake. Wait, so you can you can go to youtube.com slash the eighth Potter, mm-hmm. and it should go straight to that. Everyone all good then? Karen, you're all good. Yes. Cool. And all right, so we'll all say bye then until next week. Karen and I will see you next week. So bye bye. Bye guys. Bye. bye. Everyone and welcome to Teen Wolf. Uh, see, I don't even know what I was what I was on there. <laughs> We're definitely not Teen Wolf.